Good morning, and we are thankful that you are tuning in today to um, to have church with us. Uh, it's not the way we wanted to today, but uh, due to the icy conditions of our road and parking lot, uh, it was decided that this would be best for this Sunday. And so uh, we pray that you are staying safe and that you're staying warm. We do just want to say that if uh, you've never watched before or this is uh, your first time, we'd love for you to let us know and uh, uh, to get uh, some gift to you. Uh, if you're a regular 10-miler or a regular viewer, uh, if you've got any prayer requests, please let us know, though. We would love to be praying for you uh, over the next week and going forward. Uh, um, as you are opening, hopefully, your copy of God's Word or turning it on, we're going to be in 1 Samuel this morning, but I want to read a card to you, as I always do, usually when we have them this morning. The card says, I would like to thank everyone for all your acts of kindness and support during our difficult time. The wonderful cards, calls, food, and beautiful flowers it meant so much to our family. We are blessed and grateful for all of you, the Mildred Webb family. And I always read those cards to just continually to remind you that loving one another is so important. It makes such a difference in the lives of people. And I hope this is a church that never forgets the impact they can have on one another. Today I want to talk to you about finding your place. Finding your place. I think so many times in life we all struggle with finding our place. I can uh, uh, remember some of it, but I am told on a regular basis how much I did not want to go to kindergarten. I was the only one, I believe, in my kindergarten class that went a half day. I was one of the only kids in my class that cried for their mother, I think, almost the entire first half of the year. I did not want to go to kindergarten. I did not feel that was my place. I think of a sixth grader moving into the junior high, how that can cause fear and, and anxiety, that idea of moving into a place that you're not familiar with. I can think of a junior high student going to high school, a high schooler going to college, a, a, a single individual before they are to get married the next day, uh, moving to a new place. These are all things that, that cause us to think, have I found my place? And if you have lived in the same house for many years, you know you've found your place as a husband, as a father. I ask myself that question all the time. Not only have I found my place, but am I being faithful in that place as a church? Is this where God wants us to be? Are we being faithful in the place that he has us? And I think really it's very important to, to know that in your life and in mine, do I really know what God wants for me? Do I really know where God wants me to be? 
Because what happens in Saul's life is Samuel has just told him big things are coming. And I want you to wait. And I'm going to tell you what those are. And so we've looked over the last few weeks, we've looked over the last few months about how God works and moves to put us where He wants us to be in our life, in our marriage, in our church. And so today I want to challenge you to be willing to let God find the place that He wants you to be. So pray with me this morning, and we're going to jump right into God's Word. Father, I thank you so very much for the privilege to deliver your word, Lord, not like we would want to, but still delivering your word. Father, I pray today that you would work and move in the hearts of your people, those who don't know you. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would be at work, changing lives, and doing great and mighty things. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes today from home, and I hope that you are, uh, I want you to write this down with us this morning. God had a plan and a purpose for Saul's life. Not only that, though, God had a purpose and a plan for Saul's life, but he also has one for mine and yours this morning. Let's just jump right into 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. If we remember from last week, Samuel says, wait patience. And then verse 1, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, it is not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go forward from there and come to the terebinth tree at Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying the young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the hive plate with the stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will prophesy. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offering. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. You see, we hear in this passage of Scripture that Samuel tells Saul, when you leave here, this is exactly what is going to happen in your life. You say, why would that be important? Because Saul needed 
to hear from Samuel, but also to see the evidence that he was going and was where God wanted him to be. And if you're honest this morning, and I hope that you will be, you have probably been in the same boat. You know that God is leading you a certain direction. You know that God is asking something of you. Maybe he's asking you to step out in faith at home or step out in faith at work or step out in faith at church. But yet you just say, God, if you just give me a sign, if you just show me for sure that I know what I'm doing, that doesn't always happen that way. But yet sometimes it does. And what Saul sees here is how the hand of God has chose him, has led him, has directed him, has reaffirmed him, because Saul is getting ready to do something that has never been done in the nation of Israel, to be made king, the first of many. And so God reassures him that you are where you're supposed to be. You are heading in the direction that you are supposed to be heading. And sometimes it doesn't look as obvious as it did for Saul in our life. But when the Spirit of God lives within you as He does all Christians, there will be times that you're reading the Scriptures and the Word of God will just stand out to you. And God will use that to reaffirm what He has laid on your heart. Maybe sometimes God will bring other people into your life. Maybe sometimes God will use sermons and songs and situations just to reaffirm what His Word has already told you. You see, God will never contradict His Word in leading your life. If there is ever a time that God, through circumstances you think, is telling you to do something contrary to the Word of God, you need to understand that it is never the will of God to disobey the word of God. But God will make a plan and a way in your life just like he did in Saul's. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says it like this, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19 verse 21 states, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. If you want to know how to be where God wants you to be and to be heading in the direction God wants you to head, you need to always be reminded that God's Word is the lamp unto your feet, the light in your path. The Word of God is true. And so when the Word of God tells me that I need to repent of the sin in my life, there will never be a valid excuse to say, I know that's what God's Word says, but it doesn't apply to me. There will never be a time in your life when the Word of God tells you to do something, that you are to be doing something, and you can say, well, I don't think that applies to me. Friends, you are never in those moments where God wants you to be or heading in the direction that He wants you to head because His plans, His purposes for you are to love him and to serve him and to honor him. And that comes when you are in the place that God wants you, heading in the direction God wants you to head. 
Second thing I want to show you this morning is after we looked at God had a plan for Saul and he has a plan for you and I, the second thing is that God gave Saul what he needed. And just like God is going to give Saul the directions, he's going to give him what he needs to accomplish it, God will do the same with you and I. He will not ask us to do something that he is not going to equip us to do. God's not going to ask you to serve him in a way that he doesn't give you the gift to serve him with. And so look what it says here in verses 9 through 13 as we see what is unfolding in Saul's life that God already told him would happen through Samuel. In verse 9, the Bible says these words. So it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among (coughs) the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. You see, when God calls you to do something, when God asks you to be the husband that he wants you to be, when God asks you to be the wife that he wants you to be, when God asks you to repent and turn from that sin in your life, he is going to give you what you need. You see, Saul began to prophesy, to speak the things of God that he didn't understand and know. And the people even recognized, this ain't the same Saul that we know. This isn't the gifts, the talents, the ability that Saul had when he went looking for that donkey. What has happened? And so they recognized there that God's hand was upon him. And today I want you to hear this. The way that a lost and dying world should know that Jesus has changed your life and mine is I'm able to do things now that I wasn't able to do on my own. There are things about my life, the way I love people, the way I forgive people, the truth that I stand upon, the way I love my children and my wife, the way I'm dedicated and love my church, that is not explainable in any other way other than God did that. If God's called you to teach, you want them to be able to say, that ain't them doing it. That's the power of God. If you're on a mission trip, and you're serving in areas that you never thought you could serve, you want people to look at you and say, that has to be the Lord because I know them and their abilities. And friends, that's how our testimonies go at salvation. Because when people hear that you've given your heart to Jesus, 
They're going to be watching. Are you like every other hypocrite? Are you like every other person who starts and turns back? They are looking to see if there is evidence of a God in you that is bigger than you. Always breaks my heart when I watch Christian families be tore apart by sin. It also breaks my heart when it happens to pastors and worldwide religious figures because what happens is people point their fingers at them and say, see, I knew they weren't really who they said they were. But friends, all we can do is let the power of God in us live through us. In the book, <clears throat> in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, the Bible says it like this. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Matthew 7, verse 11, the Bible says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying, that if you have a need in your life that God has called you to do, you will have the provision. God loves you too much to ask you to do something and watch you to fail. God does not call you and equip you <clears throat> so that you can be a failure. He calls you and He equips you so that you can honor Him. The task is different for each of us. The gifts, the callings. But you will never be called to do something that God has not already given you the gift to be victorious. And so if your, male, if your marriage is a failure, if your private time is a failure, if you've got hidden sin in your life that shouldn't be there, it is not because God has not given you what you need. It is because you are unwilling to be used by God and to use the gifts that He's given you. And so today, will you make that commitment to know that God has a purpose and a plan for my life? I'm not here by accident. Doesn't matter how many marriages I've had. Doesn't matter how many DUIs I've had. Doesn't matter how many friendships I've broken. Doesn't matter how many churches I've attended. I am made by God in the image of God. And He has a purpose and a plan for my life. He loved me so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, to be buried, to conquer sin and death through the resurrection. I am loved by God. And He has a purpose and a plan for my life. And He will equip me to accomplish that purpose and plan. And third and finally though, Saul was careful how he handled God's blessing. You see, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, there is no doubt. God will give you what you need to accomplish that purpose and plan. But the question is, will you be careful in how you handle it? It is no secret that I live in a house full of children. I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old, nine, seven, five. Yeah, that's right. That's all six of them. And 
it is a daily occurrence for a child to take a cup of something, a plate of food, and transport it across the house. And it is a multiple time a day occurrence when they are not being careful and the liquid or the food on that plate spills. And our response is always, you have to be more careful. You have to go slower. And friends, you need to understand something. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has given you what you need The question is, how will you handle it? That's why I believe that God gives us the ability to respond to Him, to make choices and decisions in our life. Because listen to what it says in verse 14 through the end of verse 16. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? So he said, To look for the donkeys. When he saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncles, he told me plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. You see, we see in this moment Wisdom by Samuel. You see, many of us would have took, took the news or taken the news of being made king and told everybody. You've met people like that. They brag about their accomplishments. They will make up their accomplishments to get your attention, to get your love, to get your fame. If you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard on numerous occasions, well, the Lord told me this, or the Lord did this in my life. And and if it's true, it's wonderful. But I've been in church long enough to hear it now that many times people use that for their personal gain. But I would caution you on this. If a person is willing to claim that God told them something, and he did not tell them something, One, there is nothing that you can do to change that person's heart. Because if lying about what God has said to them doesn't cause them to fear and tremble, friends, there is nothing that you can that will. And so when people tell me God told me to go to church here or God told me to do this, I never try to argue with them. Because if God laid that on their heart, I don't want to be a stumbling block. But friends, if they're lying about that, they've got bigger problems to worry about than me. And so we see here that Saul is careful what he tells his uncle. One, I think he does it because he is not boastful. But two, I think he recognizes that Israel's never had a king. You think my family, who is the smallest tribe and the smallest family of the small of tribe, if I tell them I'm going to be king, they're all just going to bow down and worship me? No, they'll probably laugh. They'll probably deny it. They'll probably reject that. And so he recognized that God had a perfect time to reveal it. God had a perfect plan to let it be known. 
God had a perfect plan to handle all of this. And in your life and in my life, we would be wise to remember that when God blesses us, that God is with us, that we don't waste the gift, but also that we don't misuse the gift. That we don't use it for our personal gain. That we don't use it for our personal success. You see, in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2, the Bible says these words. Moreover, it is required, not suggested, required in stewards that one be found faithful. You see, one of these days, God is going to ask this guy right here, Jacob Gray, were you faithful to preach the word in season and out of season? Were you willing to do what's right no matter what it costs? Or were you like the wimpy, wind-driven wheat? Or were you immovable, standing on the rock? He's going to ask me about the kind of husband and father I am. Because as a steward, I have to give an account. As a church, we're going to have to give an account. And today, friends, you will have to give an account. You see, the Bible says, first and foremost, we'll have to give an account in what we've done with Jesus. The Bible says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so today if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You've not repented of your sins and turned to him. You are lost. You are on your way to hell. But God loved you so much. That he died on a cross for you. That he was buried and that he rose again. And today, if you'll admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and confess him and ask him into your heart and life, you will be forgiven, you will be saved, and you will be made right with God. And one of these days when you stand before him, you will be covered by the blood of Jesus. White as snow, the Bible says. But that's it. It's the only way. But as a Christian, as a saved person, I'm not going to be judged for my works because my righteousness is as filthy rags. But I will have to give an account for how I use the blessings and the gifts that God gave me. And so will you. Will you be found faithful? I think it's interesting that sometimes you're going to be held accountable for the things that you should have said Right, the Bible says that we are to declare the gospel to the whole world. But you'll also be held accountable for the things that you did say that you shouldn't have said. My New Year's resolution this year, my desire this year for the Lord was to help me not talk as much. And some weeks I do really good. And other days I fail miserably. But friends, the Bible says that we will give an account for every idle word that is spoken. The book of Proverbs describes it like this in Proverbs 17. He who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, 
he is considered perceptive. What it really means is probably the common old phrase that you've heard. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. What it says here is you're never going to learn anything if you're always talking. You're going to get yourself in trouble if you don't stop talking. And true, if we talk when we're emotionally driven and not calm, we'll bring ourselves to ruin. And Samuel didn't get ahead of God. He told Saul exactly when he was to be told. Samuel then left and had Saul go on. And Saul was patient and didn't tell anybody before he was supposed to tell. But yet he still prophesied when God called him to. Shared some of the miracles that God had did. Because why? He was wise. And so today if you really want to find your place. And are willing to come to Jesus. Humbly. And say Lord here I am a sinner. Unclean. Undone. Forgive me. He will. If you will come to him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I have sinned. I have rebelled. But I know that you love me. You love me so much that you died upon the cross. That you were buried and that you rose again to forgive me. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord today. And ask him to come into your heart and life. He will forgive you. If you know that you're saved, but yet you've just made a mess of things, you've, you've ran from God, you've stumbled, you've, you've fallen, God wants you to come back. To get back on that purpose and plan that He has for your life. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you are in need of. Trust Him. But then remember also, if you've trusted him, that he has a purpose and plan for your life. If you believe that he's going to give you what you need, then you've got to use it wisely. Because God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of not only your family, your church family, but in the lives of other people. And so today, I'm getting ready to close us in prayer. But if the Lord has been drawing you and dealing with you, please let us know. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to follow up with you. We would love to, to send a Bible to you or help you in any way that we can. But today, if you want Jesus to change your life, your situation, He will. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, even though it's not the way we really wanted it to be. Father, I pray that you'd forgive me if I've said or done anything that's contrary to your word. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be convicting and drawing and working in the lives of people, that they might not ever be the same. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to keep us safe. Lord, that you'd give us the opportunity to gather again soon. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.